Welcome to this first 2022 preseason edition of Bruce Monin's Computer Points Podcast. As usual, I'm Bruce Monin, your host. Also, we have our co-host, executive producer, and chief researcher, Rebecca Monin, broadcasting from the greater Cincinnati area. Keep forgetting how long that title is. Rebecca is kind enough to temporarily suspend all of her work on clearing the red tape needed to buy a house in order to co-host this podcast. Thank you very much, Rebecca. There's so much paperwork. (laughs) Thought it'd just be like the contract and day of signing the title over, but no, you have to sign everything, including the lease and not a lease. It's a loan, not renting anymore. What a night, what a time. Yes. Tomorrow's the grand inspection, I believe. Mm Mm-hmm. Which means I have tell me if the house is falling apart. I have an excuse to go to Cincinnati and get some Grater's ice cream. We just bought you two pints like three days ago. Actually, it was three pints. I have one left. (laughs) You have one left. (laughs) Grater's ice cream, by the way, is a permanent sponsor of the Bruce (laughs) Mountain Computer Points podcast. Whether they they want it or not. Even if they don't give me any ice cream, but I can always hope for the future. So sorry we have not broadcast for a while, but That tends to happen at the end of the football season. And we were waiting to see if this podcast would be renewed for another year. Thankfully, we're good to go. The big bosses at the network said we're okay. Yes, and that would be your mom. (laughs) She has given us permission again, so off we go. As we did last year, we thought we would look back at last season. And we're going to do that by bringing in the coach of a state championship team to relive their season. Today, we are pleased to have Ryan Jones, a science teacher and the head football coach of the 2021 Division V state champion Versailles Tigers. Welcome, coach. It's good to be here, Bruce. Good to be here, Rebecca. (laughs) Thanks for the inclusion. I, too, am a big fan of Grater's ice cream. They're the best ice cream around. We love to hear that. Yes, we do. It's always a good experience when you dig into it and get a chocolate chunk that's the width of the pint container. (laughs) Now, speaking of food, (laughs) whenever I hear Versailles, I have to make a, I have to ask, do you know, coach, has Brown Sweet Shop started making fried rolls every day once again? Is that correct? I don't know. I'm asking you. I have had some donuts from the sweet shop. Uh, I don't know what their hours are. I don't know when they're open, but I have had some. I had a, a student in class who works at the sweet shop, was kind enough to deliver some donuts. I often tell my students that bribery often works and open up. <laughs> it's always worth a shot. And so I got some good donuts out of it. So I know they're up and running on some cylinders. I don't know how many. That's good to hear. I last year, two years ago, maybe. Rode my bicycle all the way to Versailles looking for some fried rolls, and the door was closed. And I am currently not in shape to ride to Versailles, so I can't even get there at the moment. And you were stuck in Versailles for the rest of the night. (laughs) (laughs) So this year. You wouldn't leave him out there alone. (laughs) By the way, Rebecca, that's partly why I bought that new electric assist bicycle. I figured. I can get to Versailles to the sweet shop. I've heard good things about those bicycles. They're a lot of fun. They're good things. I agree. It doesn't do much to take the weight off of me with that electric motor helping out, but (laughs) you do what you can. Yeah. So coach, this is your first appearance on our podcast. It is our tradition to uh, 
ask a little bit about your football background. So uh, can you tell us a little bit about your playing days? Yeah, I started, uh, went to Wapakoneta High School, played there for my father, my junior and senior year. My father took over as a head coach. He was a defensive coordinator for a long time before that. I played for him after I graduated at Wapak in 2000. Uh, I went to Miami University in Oxford, and I was a student assistant there under uh, Terry Hepner. Mm-hmm. Worked there throughout getting my bachelor's at Miami, and then upon graduation, I got a job as a uh, wide receivers coach in New York at a Division three college uh, called Cortland State, just south of Syracuse. And uh, I was there for two years, coach wide receivers, got my master's degree while I was there. And at the time I was dating uh, my now wife who was living in Akron and was just finishing up law school. And so I was able to get a job uh, in Cleveland, very close to her at Case Western Reserve University and coach wide receivers and uh, was past game coordinator there for four years. We had had some great seasons, learned a lot along the way. Um, my wife got a job in Dayton and, and we moved to Dayton and I went back to school for a little bit to get my teaching degree because uh, I had I had not gone to school for teaching and education. That was not my plan coming out of high school. Uh, at that point, I decided that I, I would like to pursue that. I had a lot of biology classes from my physiology background. And so it was the quickest way for me. So I went to Central State for two years uh, as I was working, ended up uh, contacting uh, Jeff Sakel at Troy Christian. Um, we were living in Troy at the time, contacted him and asked him if uh, he could use any coaches on his staff. Steve Nolan uh, from Troy was the head coach at the time. And uh, I was fortunate enough to, to meet with Steve and he offered me a position there on the staff. And uh, I was there for two years as an assistant under Steve and just learned a bunch from Steve. I mean, he was just a legend in Troy and just all the success he's had at at Troy as a head coach and at Troy Christian after that. Uh, Just a great guy. I owe owe a lot to him um, as far as, you know, my coaching career in the high school level and just learned a lot about uh, coaching offense and how to handle players in different situations, uh, learning from Steve. And then uh, he had, he stepped down after uh, coaching uh, with me for two years. He stepped down. I got hired as the head coach and I was the head coach there for three years at Troy Christian uh, before getting the job at Versailles. And so now I'm in my, I just completed my third football season at Versailles and I teach biology and anatomy and physiology there and uh, have a great time doing it. So I uh, just feel very blessed to, uh, to be where I'm at and uh, the whole winding road that has led me here. Well, Rebecca and I are both big fans of science although we lean towards the physics end of the spectrum. Yeah, the biology kind of freaks me out if I start thinking about it too much. Yeah, the deeper but I, Yeah, I appreciate it for sure. I agree. Also, I think you've demonstrated there, I've heard that the life of a football coach can be something of a nomadic experience, and you seem to be uh, an example of that so far. Yeah, that's for sure. And, and uh, you know, that was one of the considerations when deciding to kind of go to the high school level is, yeah, that constant moving and shuffling, especially, and we had started to have a family. So I had a boy at that point that had been born and you start to think about how much do you want to move? Uh, where, you know, most of the guys I'd coached with in my previous spots are already on their fourth or fifth or sixth place already and no end in sight. But uh, 
you know, it's uh, it's more of a young man's game, I guess, doing that stuff. There was a time where I wouldn't have minded it at all. But those are the things you got to consider, I guess, when you're a coach. Now, before we go back to looking at last year, I was hoping to get your opinion on a few things for the coming year here. Of course, we're big on the computer points here. The uh, state recently released the new enrollment numbers for next year. Of course, they don't tell us the competitive balance numbers and they don't give us the division cutoff. So it doesn't mean a whole lot yet. But I did notice for sales has a number of boys 26 lower than the previous number. Now, have you figured out yet? Do you think you may be heading down to division six next year? I mean, it's this possible. Year? Yeah, I think it's possible. Uh, losing, losing kids. Yeah, I think we went from 167 to 141, which I was checking those numbers today because you mentioned you wanted to talk about that. So I'll be honest, I don't. Obviously, it's a thing and it it affects playoffs and stuff. But from a, I guess, a strategy and kind of planning your time and everything, it's just there's nothing I can do about where we play or, you know, what what region or what division we're in. There's just nothing I can do. And so I really don't spend a whole lot of time trying to figure out that stuff because, you know, I feel like it's uh, the, the NFL draft. I don't spend a whole lot of time listening to the people before the draft because the day after it's over, I'll know where they went. But, you know, so <laughs> the day after they release it, I'll know what division we're in. And, you know, the bigger thing is, you know, somebody, you bring that up. I don't want to change the topic if you have other things to talk about uh, with that. But one of the things that was, kind of bigger on my list as far as the OHSAA making changes was the changes to the, the summer rules and what you can and can't do, uh, which has it not been uh, the same two years in a row, I think the last three or four years. So, you know, that's a bigger concern because it affects your strategy and how you plan everything through the summer and what you can do. You know, I think the division stuff is, is good to talk about, but from my standpoint, there's nothing I can do about it. So I'll just, you know, play who we play. We're going to play the same teams no matter what division I'm in. So, but you know, it is, it is, you're right. It is a big deal. It will affect, you know, who plays who and what matchups there are. And it could end up affecting who wins state championships. So uh, it definitely is important and it is, and it makes for great conversation and uh, it will be interesting where they decide to make those cutoffs. I think they're supposed to come out in June uh, with the uh, adjusted numbers and, and the cutoffs. So I think there could be some movement in the MAC. Coldwater, I think, uh, am I correct in saying that their numbers increased? So they could be moving. Um, you never know. Yes, uh, Coldwater is actually up 24 boys. So I'm thinking there's a chance they might be, you might just be switching spots with Coldwater, I'm thinking. Yeah, that could be. It could be the case. There could be, you know, a little bit of movement. And, uh, you know, every, it seems like something changes every year. If you're not changing regions, you're changing divisions. If you're not changing divisions, they're going from 8 to 12 to 16 teams. So, you know, we're short in season. Now you got to wear a mask. Now the center has to spot the ball. So who knows? You know, anything could happen. We're used to rolling with the punches. You mentioned the changes to the summer. Are they back to basically pre-COVID type things, or there's been some other changes made? Almost. Now, with a, and I don't know how many people realize this, but when they went from, they were going to do 12 teams in the playoffs. That was the original plan for last season. And as you know, they ended up changing it to 16 before they even tried 12, right? So the OHSA changed it to 16 teams that would get in from each region. 
Now that adds an extra week. And so really what, where they got that extra week was in that preseason, everything started kind of a week earlier. So you had less time to practice before you had your first scrimmage. So everything was crunched. And I think as a response to that, they started looking at ways to allow for more practice time without lengthening the season. And one of those ways was to, this year they decided, normally you've got a series of acclimation days that start on August 1st, which is the first official day of practice. And you got to have two days where you just wear helmets. I think two days where you wear helmets and, or a day where you wear helmets and shoulder pads, and then a day where you're in full gear, but you can't contact. And then on the fifth day, you can actually hit. So that's four practice days where you can't really hit. And then the way it was last year, I think a day or two later, you're in your first scrimmage and you've only had maybe three days of practice tackling. And so I think that um, was a concern, especially with safety and, you know, teaching proper technique tackling and not having that time with the players instruction wise to get them ready for that first scrimmage. And so I think the OHSA looked at that. It's one of the things we brought up as a regional coaches association member in our meetings is how can we get those acclimation days that are kind of antiquated because they were put into place before you were allowed to have 10 days in July to work with the kids, 10 days in June and July. What you had were you were allowed to work with the kids and basically have practice for 10 days in June and July. And those were called camp days. Well, you can only wear a helmet during those days, but those, and everybody did, does that, but they never would count those, those days where you wore a helmet as one of your acclimation days. So now what they've said is, okay, during the course of the summer, you can have five extra days where you can earn those acclimation period, those five acclimation days. So essentially you get kind of realistically, I guess it's almost like you have 15 days now in June and July instead of 10 and that way, August 1st, first day of official practice, you can, you can go full go and you've already satisfied the acclimation period. Now, each, you know, as a coach, now you got to keep track of each individual kid and where they're at because it's going to be the summer. You're going to have kids that are on vacation. Okay, now he's on day three. He can't hit yet, but everybody else can hit. So you got to keep track of that. That'll be probably the most difficult part but uh, it won't be too bad but I think it's a good decision I think it allows us more time to prepare for that first scrimmage and it's kind of the best of both worlds they don't have to expand the season but you get more practice time hey the first thing I thought of is it sounds like the amount of time available for family vacations for football players just shrunk by one week yeah it might have <laughs> it might have <laughs> you know that's not yeah it's a difficult thing and it's something as a coaching staff you really have to decide what you want to do there you know, do we have 15 camp days where we practice? And that was essentially what you could do last year. Now, last year was even, you could have unlimited number of days. So technically last season, in an effort to make up for COVID losses, I guess, they decided you could basically have 30 camp days if you wanted. You could have as many as you wanted. There was unlimited practices during the summer, essentially. And they learned a little bit from that, but that was a, you know, that was a difficult decision as a coach. What do you do now that you have all this freedom? Uh, we didn't really add any camp days. We thought that if we did that, it would burn the kids out. It would be just too much. We tried to talk to them and kind of go over some more things during like our, our weightlifting stuff. 
because we were allowed to use a ball. So we would, you know, have some guys throw. That was the biggest difference. But we decided not to have a bunch of like 15 or 20 camp days. And, and I think it worked out well. You know, those days get hard. Uh, two days and those camp days are hard. So adding those, I think it's, uh, it's a tough balance. But I think you can add too much very easily. And uh, you get the kids worn down by the time they get to that first game. Yeah, I would think so. One last thing before we get on to last year, I wanted to ask if you'd heard anything about this. A few years ago, someone decided, you know, Division One. there's a big gap between the biggest schools and the smallest. So they said Division One will only be 10% of all football playing schools, which is 71 teams. <laughs> and since they made the playoffs expanded last year, that meant 64 of those 71 teams made the playoffs which seemed a little silly. One team got in at zero and 10 last year. I'd heard a rumor, maybe they would add a few teams to division one. So maybe you'd have to win two or three games to get into playoffs. Have you heard anything? Have I heard anything about them increasing the size of division one? I have not. I know there's a lot of reaction about a winless team getting into the playoffs, but I had to believe they knew that was a good likelihood. I mean, they knew that there was only going to be a couple teams out. I think they were well aware of that possibility and, and okay with it, but I have not heard that rumor. Why that I can see why it is a rumor, but I don't know if it's more than just that. Or they could just go back to that 12 teams like they were planning and not have to worry about it. That's right. That's right. It seems like they might stick with this for a couple of years, almost just out of stubbornness though. Well, I think it would be, it would be nice to give some normal and see what, you know, settle in with mm-hmm. something for a little bit. It's hard to tell. You know, people would say, well, do you think their decision worked? And I go, well, if worked means there was a week more games, then yeah, it certainly worked. <laughs> there was a week more of games, you know? If working means that instead of eight teams getting in, you have 16 from each reason, then yeah, it certainly worked. You know, but I think fan, a lot, some fans were thinking, well, one of these 12 seeds or 15 seeds has got to win for this thing to be a success. But I don't think that was ever their intention. I don't think that's why it was done. I think it was done to increase the field and they increased the field. So there would be some who might say that right now their funds are a little short at the state level. They had to start charging schools fees. And this was a way to increase income a little bit. Maybe they could go back to where schools don't have to pay the high school athletic association anymore so there could be a monetary factor involved here i would say it's definitely a a factor i would think yeah that is always a consideration especially when you're you're talking about areas of education there's always budget constraints there's always issues like that that's always going to be a factor how much of a factor i don't know it could have been all of it could have been none of it but you know i think it's definitely something that was considered obviously it's the same thing that they consider when they determine how much to charge the, the teams, how much to charge for prices. I mean, all of those decisions they're taking and that to account, I would assume. I don't know what the results were. I don't know. You know, it'd be interesting to see that comparison of what they made previously to what the OHSA made um, last year where they doubled the size. Uh, that would be interesting to see. But I think uh, if they do... You know, if that's something they take it apart, I agree with Rebecca. They should definitely kind of let it play out for a little bit and see, you know, what is a consistent thing that they're seeing here. 
I know there were a lot of schools that maybe didn't travel so well. If you're a 16 seed going against a one seed, I don't know if it's more than, you know, family and friends that want to make a big an hour and a half trip, you know, to, to go uh, do that. I think that was a concern with some people, but you're going to have that. I mean, you're going to have that. You can't base it all on how many people want to travel, you know? So, you know, I don't think any of those things are what they're concerned with. I think they increased the field. They got what they wanted. And, you know, the other thing that I thought would be interesting that nobody really talked about was how many teams would elect not to play. And I don't know of any that did. I believe it was one. There's one. Okay. That's why the Owen 10 team got in division one. There was one okay. team above them who elected not to play. Okay. That, yeah, I found interesting because a lot of people were concerned that, well, you know, they might not even want to play. Well, yeah, it's hard to have a, a team that's competitive and practice all the time say, well, we're not going to play. So I think you're going to see teams play no matter what. All right, Rebecca, you ready to get on to the fun of last season? Sure. Pumped and excited. I'm always happy to talk to you about football, even if I don't understand some of it. It's fun to see you excited. Yeah, I love my high school football. <laughs> Almost as much, maybe even more than the professional cycling I've been starting to watch again. Thank you. Wow. Mark Cavendish, big win in the Giro d'Italia the other day. <laughs> Gotta love it. And nobody else here knows what that means, so we will move on. <laughs> it's it's a comeback for the Manx Missile. Yes, it was. <laughs> Is he going to wear the yellow jersey? Is that what that means? <laughs> uh, that is a cycling term. Cavendish is highly unlikely to ever wear one. Oh. Yes. And they are actually now in the Tour of Italy, which has a pink jersey instead. Oh. <laughs> Different country. Yeah. We have to wait till country. We have to wait till July for the Tour de France in the yellow jersey. Was that last year where that lady knocked over a bunch of people in the middle of the street or walked out too far? Oh, yeah, yeah. Work. It caused like a massive chain reaction. I don't know if that was a Tour de France or not. Yes, it was. Not as unlikely to happen as people might think. It's pretty <laughs> astonishing those types of things don't happen more, actually. It seemed very close. They, yeah. I think when we were there in 2010, I'm pretty sure Frank Schleck only missed mom's camera by about a couple of inches. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we are the problem people as well. <laughs> Zoom lens gets in the way. On to last year. We're going to run right through your season here, Coach. Some games will give a little more attention than others. You started last year. I imagine you thought those first two games were going to be a little more challenging than they ended up being when the schedule was first made. You had a 42 to nothing win over Salina, a Division Three team, who it turned out was having a little bit of a down year. And then a 48 to seven win over Fort Laramie, who ended the season five and seven, but that was partially due to a number of injuries, if I remember right. They actually still won a playoff game. So that was quite, at least from an outsider's view, an unexpectedly big win for you guys. Yeah, that was a big win. Um, I don't, you know, the first half was very close and competitive. It, it got out of hand in the second half. I think it was closer than the score looked. They had to start gambling to try to get back into the game. Uh, we were able to bust some long runs with Jack Osborne. It was a weird game because, uh, like right after we came out for halftime, we ran a couple plays and then we had a lightning storm and it was a good hour, hour and a half delay, which I think uh, they scored coming right out of the, the delay, if I'm correct, and made it maybe a touchdown game. So it was it was close there, um, a closer game than it looked. I, I think we just came out 
offensively pretty good in that game. Our defense played really well. We were able to make some uh, some key stops, and there were some big plays in that game that that really turned the tide. But that was a that was a really good win on the road for us. And right after that came what I guess you would say would be the main challenge of your regular season. You had to travel to Marion Local, took your only loss of the year there, but a two point loss at Marion Local, the eventual Division Seven state champions. I guess what do you remember from that, and how did that game? impact the rest of your season you know I think it was an important game for us I think we were pretty confident going into the game not overly confident you know I think but I thought I thought we were in a good state of mind I don't we didn't execute as well as we had liked uh made some mistakes and and had some turnovers late in the game and gave up a kickoff return for a touchdown and you know there were some some key plays there and we had a chance at the end to to win the game, but Marion made a, a big play and, and got an interception. The last two drives ended in interceptions, but, you know, I was really happy with our mindset and our effort in that game. And I knew it was early in the season. And uh, if we wanted to, you know, advance far in the playoffs, we'd have to continue to get better and better each year. And, and we talked about, you know, it was disappointing because it was a big game, you know, a big Mac game against two good teams. And, and so anytime you lose it, especially a close game like that, where you feel like you had a chance to win, you know, those are harder pills to swallow. You know, Marion played a good game. They had a good team and, and uh, you know, their players played well. Uh, we tried to focus on what, what could we learn from that game? You know, so as a staff, we wanted to see where we could improve. What were some things that we, we needed to be successful that we didn't have as far as plays and schemes and then as a, you know, as a team, as a play, from a player standpoint, you know, we challenged them to make uh, the most of that uh, loss and, and really use that as motivation for the rest of the season and, and uh, motivation to get better. I think players really embraced that. They didn't, you know, they were obviously disappointed, uh, but they got back right at it Monday and, and hit the ground running and had great practices that week. They had great enthusiasm. They didn't you know, it wasn't like a funeral going back to practice Monday. They, they bounced back and you never know what you're going to get in those situations. And they really did. They decided to use it as motivation. And I think it was a big, you know, a big part in our success in the playoffs was drawing on the mo- motivation of, of the loss in the third week of the season there. You know, I was really proud of the way our guys responded and handled that because, uh, you know, that's the way you want them to as a coach, but you never know quite how they're how they're going to react they really used it as fuel to their fire and and i thought as a coaching staff it helped us look at some things that that we could uh, work on to get better uh, throughout the season you followed that up with two uh, larger margin of victory wins over parkway and fort recovery bounced back nicely and then another tough one you had to play the defending division seven state champions new bremen came to town and that was a close game uh what 24 19 i see yeah, that was a very close game. Uh, New Bremen, uh, you know, they graduated a lot of kids, but they still had some great players on their team this year and a uh, great quarterback, super athletic and offensive player of the year. And uh, they were very difficult. We knew they'd be a really good team again, and we knew it'd be, it'd be a tough matchup. And I, we made some big plays. Our defense played really well in that game. We gave up a couple big plays where they scored, but overall they played really well and offensively. We started to move the ball better. We were running the ball a little more effectively, uh, getting harder, harder yards. You know, it was a big win for us. I think it was a big point of the season. It was a good win for the players. Maybe the biggest win 
to date for that class went in a big game like that and a close game it was kind of what they needed to get some some confidence going into the playoffs and and really for the rest of the season because we still had a couple uh, tough games left in in conference play the trend kind of continued here you had two more big wins beat anna and delphi st john's both pretty well then you came up against st henry who in my personal opinion might have been the second best team in Division seven last year, at least top three, I would say. I'm trying to remember. You you had to travel to St. Henry? Yes. Got a nice 27 to 7 win. That was a, sort of shows that things seem to be improving towards the playoffs there by this time of year. Yeah, we you know, St. Henry was a good team. We knew that would be difficult. They had a lot of size, just some really big linemen and a very physical team. So we knew it was going to be tough and on the road and and I was really happy with the way our guys played defensively. They did a great job. They had some big plays defensively and uh, really put a full game together and were able to come out with a win there. And that was, uh, that was a big win going into, I think, beating uh, New Bremen there at home gave us that confidence uh, that we needed to play well at St. Henry. And then that carried over into the playoffs right on after that. Finished the regular season with the one game of yours I saw in person, the uh, a nice huge win over Minster, 41 to nothing. That game was over early. Uh, <laughs> but I have to admit, I met a fascinating man at that game. Some guy came up. He was the guy who was in charge of, it sounds like, the whole field renovation back years ago, and he was just a fascinating guy to talk to. So I had a good experience out of the game at least. Yeah, good. And then after that, you were on to the playoffs. With the new format this year, you got to host two games. That's right. First one, 49 to 14 win over Summit Country Day. And just the thing we've noticed through the years, division, lower division teams from the Cincinnati area, they've got a little hill to climb. They lose all their best players to Moeller and St. Xavier and all those schools. If you get a yeah. Cincinnati team, you usually feel pretty good. Yeah, that can, be, that can be a difficult position for some of those smaller schools for sure. After that, you got to play six and six Carlisle, another nice big 34 to eight victory. Yeah, that was a big win. Carlisle runs a, you know, uh, triple option style offense, which is something we hadn't seen all year. They run it really well. Coach Claude Felter's got a lot of experience running that offense, and I knew it would uh, would be a, quite a challenge, and it was a challenge offensively and defensively. We played really well because I think Carlisle was a much better team than their record. By the time we played them, they were. I think they really improved throughout the season. And so, uh, you know, that was a that was a good win for us against a team that was, I think, much better than what other people think. And uh, something I hadn't thought of that you brought up there, the uh, MAC has sort of evolved into a lot of, let's say, at least similar offensive schemes. There's not a lot of option going on. There's not a lot of triple option going on for sure. Uh, no wing T, nothing like that these days. So that can be a challenge in the playoffs when you see a different style. Yes, for sure. And you don't have very many days to prepare for something uh, that you don't see very often. And, and you're right, there is, there is a lot of similarities between the offenses and MAC conference. Then you had the, the big four-game run on neutral fields to try to get that trophy. Huh? First, you had the number one seed in the region, 9-3 and three Cincinnati Taft. 14 to nothing win. Apparently, they were quite the defensive squad. Apparently, your defense was a little better. Well, uh, very athletic team, good coaching. They had uh, some really good players on defense that could get off of blocks super well. Uh, 
you know, just really quick, um, made it very difficult for us to run the ball against them and throw the ball because they had good coverage. We made some a couple good pass plays uh, that converted and uh, third or fourth downs that uh, allowed us to, to score. We had uh, some good drives toward the end of the game where we were able, able to move the ball on the ground and, and use up the time and, and limit their possession. But uh, tapped is, you know, they're a running team and, you know, defensively just very difficult to uh, maintain your blocks against them. They'll get around you real quick and uh, just do a great job. And I think their coaching staff does a really good job. And uh, we saw, well, they, I think they won the basketball state championship. They got a lot of great athletes there. And, you know, that was a difficult game. It was a big win. I think they were well-deserving of the, of the one seed, you know, after having playing them, uh, I could see why they were where they were. And then after you survived that one, you, your prize, I guess you would say, is you get to play an undefeated Preble Shawnee team <laughs> and rolled to a 28 to nothing win over that one. Again, didn't see that one, but that sounds like a very impressive win there. Well, I thought once again, you know, our defense played really well the whole the whole playoffs and and when you can hold teams uh you know under 14 points or in that case you know shut them out then that just gives you a great opportunity and great advantage there and then they played a great great game offensively i thought we uh were able to run the ball pretty effectively uh against preble they were a good team i was really concerned about the running back and their quarterback who are, are a very difficult duo to uh, defend against because the quarterback can run so well and he's so fast and quick and then they got a really good running back back there and you can't key on either one of them so uh that was a big game and and uh, you know i think we we're able to kind of wear him down a little bit in the second half and uh we're able to, to win that game so really really good performance by our guys in that game preble had just beaten roger bacon so we knew they were going to be good and uh and they were and we were able to outscore them that night Oh, yes. I remember that now. We both predicted that game wrong, didn't we, Rebecca? Yeah, we, I did that a couple times in this run, just looking at the information <laughs> here. Yes, we had Roger Bacon as big favorites over Preble Shawnee. <laughs> I just kept thinking the, the Mac reputation can't hold out every time, and I'm wrong almost every time on that. <laughs> yeah, I, I was a little surprised, too, but they were they were good, and uh you know, it was a close game they had with Roger Bacon, uh, but I was really impressed with Preble's defense in that game. They really did a great job of uh, limiting some of uh, Roger Bacon's skill players from from making big, big touchdown scores. Okay, next up then was the state semifinal. You were matched up with the Region 19 champion, Harvest Prep. Harvest Prep through the years has been an interesting kind of school. They've been, it's a private school. They're known for... Um, attracting players so to speak uh, <laughs> and I believe they've been known for having some really big huge running backs through the years that just pound on people and this was you ended up winning that game 28-22 and just back to Harvest Prep they had two losses before the game one was by seven points to a division three school Columbus Hartley and one was by five points to a division two school Licking Heights so they've been challenged through the year yeah, they had a great season. They uh, had beaten uh, what Wheelersburg, I think, the week before, who had taken down Ironton. So, yeah, and their only losses were to much larger schools, um, and they were really good. I think their running back was committed to Bowling Green, and he was a heck of an athlete. And they had a great quarterback who could really sling the ball. He had a really strong arm. I wasn't super concerned with their quarterback watching him on film, but then getting there before the game and watching him warm up and throw the ball around. I said, this kid can throw the ball. 
and he could throw the ball and he was able to make, you know, complete some balls against us um, in that game. And uh, it was a tough game, hard fought game for sure. And, uh, you know, our guys fought hard and we were able to get, you know, get the lead and uh, able to run down the clock at the end of the game and uh, by running the ball. And, and so that was kind of uh, the way that one went, but uh, very physical team, very good size. They had big players, they had good skill. Harvest Prep uh, was a very good football team this year for sure. So I guess that does happen sometimes. You spend a whole week looking at film and then you arrive there in person and you go, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, I was just really impressed with, uh, you know, his mechanics, his accuracy and the zip he had on the ball. And, and he completed a couple uh, deep slants against us for big gains against really good coverage where, you know, there wasn't a whole lot the defender could do other than make the tackle as soon as the catch was made. So, uh, yeah, he was an impressive player. And I think he played really well against us, actually. And that win got you the big prize. You got to play in the state championship game against one of our favorite teams, <laughs> uh, Kirtland. I think they'd only won something like 55 games in a row before that game. Something like that. Yeah, that was another one I picked wrong. I was just going to claim ignorance. I don't remember who I picked, and I want to keep it that way. <laughs> I, I definitely picked Kirtland. <laughs> well, you're in the majority. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say, any win you get over Tiger Laverde's team is well-earned. That's, uh, that's a championship trophy you can look on or pride for years and years and years to come. Yeah, he's a great coach, does a great job there. Really nice guy. I got to know him there, talk with him at uh, some of the coaching clinics, but a uh, really nice guy and a lot of respect for what Tiger has been able to do at Kirtland. They uh, just a juggernaut year in and year out there, and uh, he's really got them rolling. They're well coached and just got a, a good program with uh, good kids that work hard, and uh, you can see that. And you don't win 55 games in a row for nothing, that's for sure. And it was a, a good win because it was such a great opponent. Any uh, highlights from that game stand out to you? Yeah, you know, I think there were some big plays in that game. Scoring early, scoring on our first possession was really big. I think, I don't think they had been trailed in a game for like two years or something. So we thought if we could, we could get the ball first and get a score that we could at least put them in a position they hadn't been in in a while. Then they answered and scored. And, and then, you know, we were able to get another touchdown before halftime. Uh, with a big catch by Michael Osborne in the corner of the end zone. Just an unbelievable catch for uh, a sophomore who really doesn't hadn't played much this year. And uh, he was playing a little bit of receiver in that game and, and playing at free safety. And he had an unbelievable game. He ended up with a touchdown catch and a fumble recovery and an interception in one game. And uh, but that catch he made in the in the first half was uh, was one to remember for sure. And I, and I thought our defense played really well. Uh, we gave up a couple big plays. But, uh, I thought we really held them in check. I was really proud of the way our guys stopped the run. I think it put uh, Kirtland in a, a tough position because they like to run the ball. They're comfortable doing that. And us being in the lead and our effectiveness was stopping some of the run. And we didn't just shut down the run. I mean, they got their plays. They're, they're a good team and they were, you know, they had their successes, but we were able to at least put them in a position where they had to do some things that is not in their wheelhouse. And, and I thought our defense did well and took advantage of that. You know, the other thing I guess that sticks out was just what was really fun about it was being able to do it, you know, with these players that were sophomores or well, they were freshmen, I guess, when I got here to Versailles, you know, coming in, having a new coach, that's always a difficult position. So it was it was really nice, you know, to be able to win a championship with those guys who stuck it out and, you know, really 
jumped in with both feet when when I got here and, and decided that they were going to do everything they could to make it work. And, you know, to their credit, they were able to get it done and uh, through their hard work and just their dedication over the last few years. And, and they put it together as a great senior class of 18 kids, uh, really hard workers, and they got got along well and they support each other and they all they're all, you know, accountable and, and uh, just a great group of kids couldn't ask for anything more. And, and on top of that, uh, I was able to win it win the championship with my dad as a defensive coordinator. And, uh, you know, that was really cool and really special. So, uh, you know, those were, were the key things I'll take away, I guess, from the game. And if you look back on that season, first of all, you had to play 16 games because of the new format. Mm-hmm. A lot of games. It's a lot of games. A lot of games. <laughs> 12 of those opponents made the playoffs. Of course, with the expanded playoffs, that meant a little less, but 11 of those opponents won their first round playoff game. So you could say if it was a, the old eight, eight per region playoff, you might've had 11 playoff teams on your schedule. Yeah. That's, that's a quite the effort. I would say wins in all of them, except for that one loss by only two points. That's a, that's a season to look back on and be pretty happy with, isn't it? You know, and I think that, you know, playing tough competition during the season goes a long way toward being ready for the playoffs. Being, going against teams that are good quality opponents and you you go through adversity during the season, you struggle, you know, maybe you lose, maybe you get away with one, maybe you make mistakes, uh, you get down, you have to come back, you blow a lead, whatever, different situations, fourth quarter, two-minute drill, all those things only come when you're in a competitive game. And if you're not in a competitive game, you just don't get practice at that. So it doesn't mean you can't do well when it comes up. It just means that you're not as well practiced at it. And so I think having the, you know, good quality opponents and, and a tough conference during the season goes a long way towards the max recent success in the playoffs. Now you get to try to do it again with 18 great players no longer there. It's going to be makes for a new challenge next year, doesn't it? Yeah, it'll certainly be a new challenge. Give some uh, new kids some great opportunity, though. And, uh, you know, we'll miss those group. Uh, that group of seniors is a great class, you know, but every season is different. Every season is unique. There's always some commonalities, but every season is its own deal. And, and now we've got another set of kids with an opportunity in front of them. You know, I wouldn't say we're going to be a young team, but we'll be relatively inexperienced. You know, I think we'll have you know, juniors and seniors that can play. It's just they don't have the experience of maybe starting for two or three years. You know, hopefully our maturity and age will uh, kind of flatten that curve as far as the learning curve and, and uh, you know, it won't take us so long to figure out, you know, what we're good at and, uh, you know, what puts us in the best situation to win. But I'm excited to see these guys uh, compete for jobs because there's a lot of jobs open with a lot of starters leaving. So, that makes for great competition and competition brings out the best in those players. And that's where it's fun too, is when you get those competitions and if you get, you know, to play more guys because a couple of kids deserve to play, then that's even better because, you know, the more guys you can play, the better it is uh, for everybody and the experience of being on the football team. So I look forward to it. I think the guys are working really hard right now in the weight room and uh, it takes a lot of effort throughout the season, uh, throughout the whole year. And uh, you know, I think that the success from last year will, will hopefully instill that work ethic on the younger guys and they'll see that and, and continue to work hard and, and try to make their own mark on the program. Well, that's all I got, Rebecca. How about you? For coach? Yeah, we've got, I think this has been a great session. Good conversation for darn sure. I'm sure we have a couple more things for podcast talk. 
Podcast talk. Podcast talk. So, Rebecca, would you like to tell people how they can get a hold of us? Aha. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns, or you just want to talk to us, you can send those words over to bdmonin at nktelco.net, or you can submit them on Twitter to at Bruce Monin. If you can find my social medias, they're not hard to find. You could send them to me too, but I don't encourage that, even though I just said it. <laughs> I like being contradictory sometimes. That's that. Do we have any word on when we might expect more podcasts to be produced and in our listeners' feeds? Well, first of all, I want to thank Coach Jones. It's always good to hear about a season from last year. I'm glad to have you on. Coaches always seem to be happy to talk football, and I like that. Yeah, it's nice to be able to talk football after a while in the offseason. You want to get you know back at it. You start getting itchy, but uh, appreciate you having me on. It was nice to to sit in here with you and uh, do the podcast. So uh, good conversation and uh, let me know when you want to do it again. And we'll do that. We'll do that coach. Thanks very much. Thank you. Yeah. As for our next one, um, we have hopes of getting coach Tim Goodwin on to talk about Marion locals championship season sometime in the month of June. And it won't be long after that. We'll start hearing about divisions and regions that teams are assigned to and We'll start going into our regular season schedule here, I guess you would say. That's right. It'll heat up real quick, won't it? Yes, it will. I've started working on putting all the schedules into my massive Excel spreadsheet right now. So, <laughs> oh. <laughs> where, are you, where are you drawing your schedules from, Bruce? What is your... your At the moment, schedule? I'm going to uh, yappy.net there's a guy there called eagle fan who takes all the schedules off arbiter and puts it all in one spot is that right yes he is yes it is eagle fan, eagle fan. fan. i have no idea who he is but anyway i'm Might sure be for the best trustworthy. <laughs> i'm sure he's, you know. he probably does a podcast from the back room of his house or something like that. <laughs> probably does <laughs> and if you're out there you want to talk any high school football? You can always find me on Wednesdays at 3.30 to 5 o'clock at what my wife calls my office hours <laughs> at Bud's Pizza in Minster. I go there for a late lunch, early supper. Love to find people to talk football with while I'm there. Bud's Pizza, by the way, a permanent sponsor of the Bruce <laughs> Bonnet's Computer Point Sometimes podcast. he records the podcast from it. It has happened before, yes. Audio cannot be good. <laughs> And with that, thank you for listening, and we will be back sometime in June. So long, everyone. Bye.